Well, on this Easter 2010, I want to uh, bring you a news report. But maybe, maybe not a news report from there. Maybe I'll have it be a news report from here. Um, one of the things that any of us who have spent much time outside of the United States have learned when we come back in to the United States is how unnews-like much of our news seems to be. Because we here in the United States have this whole kind of news that, that really is just uh, soft news. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? Um, it really hit me. I think it was last Tuesday morning. Uh, Chris, my son Brandon, and I, before we went to work, had turned on the television news. We're trying to figure out what was happening in the world. And I want to show you the, the three first headlines of the news. The first one, is Tiger Woods still lying? Oh, I thought, oh, man. The, the next one was going to be Sandra Bullock seeks divorce. And, of course, the big news Shocking dismissal on Dancing with the Stars. I knew what I was going to be talking with you about today, so I said, what kind of news is this? And I flipped it off and over to another station. And amazingly, on, on the next station, the very same three news items were, were headlining the news. So we flipped to yet another station, and exactly the same things happened. I said, wait a minute. Whatever happened to the, some of the things I know are going on, like, like Greece's financial condition and how that is affecting the entire European economic community, the EEC. I thought, no, what's happening in Chile and, and Haiti now that the uh, earthquakes are over or after the terrorism in Russia? I suppose it had already become old news. And never do you get anything about the, the violence that's happening between Muslims and Christians in Nigeria. Those of you who spend time outside the United States, you know, that kind of news, called hard news, is hard to find sometimes when we're here. And that brings me to Easter, as you knew it, as you knew it would. Because did you know that the Bible proclaims to us that this Easter message that is being proclaimed all around the world is a piece of news? That's the way it's put. 1 Corinthians 15, which is sort of the classic text on the resurrection written by the Apostle Paul. If you look at verses 1 and 2 that Eric read for us so powerfully just a few moments ago, it will tell us, the word that it uses is, what I'm going to tell you about is a piece of beautiful news. In verse 1, it is something that you can base your life on. In verse 2, it's something that's going to tell you about a danger that you're in, but that you can be rescued from. And then when you go over to verses 11 and 12, if you could read what Paul wrote in his original language, what he says is, I view myself as a news reporter. The word really was a, a herald, somebody bringing news. But if we look at it that way, we've got to get a different view of what the news was, because the news back in Paul's day was a little bit different in the way that it was delivered from ours. Do you know what happened then? They didn't have print. They didn't have newspapers. They didn't have television. You couldn't get the news by watching Colbert or Jon Stewart or wherever you get your news. Instead, what they would have is when there was a significant piece of news, the king or the emperor or a general or someone who knew some news that was important for the people under their leadership would send a herald, almost always on a military steed, on a horse. They would go riding through the town. And the news that they would bring, I'm telling you, it would not be the soft news. It would be the real news. Because they didn't have very much time. 
The news was the kind of thing that was going to affect the lives of people. News was something that they had to hear. Uh, sometimes it was, it was of danger. The enemy is just 15 miles away. You've got to get ready. And the steed would move on to the next town. Sometimes it would be good news. The king is coming. king is coming. And if those will come and greet him, they will receive gifts. Uh, I can assure you of this. The herald didn't go riding through and said, First, the fashion report. <laughs> what are they wearing in Jerusalem these days? I mean, it was a, it's a, a part of our own history. You know, when Paul Revere went riding through the town and said, the red coats is coming, he didn't stop and say, now, on the red carpet that went through, what is the color fashion for this year? The Brits are wearing red, but we don't like that color very much. No, no, no. It was a warning. They are coming. You had better get your life ready. Do you see that? So we come to 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul says, you know how you have to view me. I am a herald being sent by the king over all kings. And I am bringing you some news that you need to hear, that this whole world needs to hear. It's about on one side that there is danger. You're not ready to meet God. But on the other side, there is good news. There's an opportunity to be made ready to meet God himself, hear the good news. You just have to picture it. Every Easter we have to come back again and see it. The, a messenger from God. And, and that's how I view myself this morning. Riding through the, the city saying, Hear ye, hear ye. The greatest news in all the world is something that has to be proclaimed because Jesus Christ has come and he has risen. Now, I, I'll tell you, uh, this is, uh, for those of you who are just visiting on a, on a Sunday morning, this way of looking at our Christian faith is not very popular in our day. We would rather just think about religion as sort of, you know, spirituality. Uh, here's a way that you can deal with your problems a little better. Here's a way to get, you know, into the uh, infinite spiritual side of yourself. And Christianity is about those things, about how to live and how to deal with our pasts, how to wrestle with the kinds of things that Eric has talked about. But there is no hope for any of that if something didn't actually happen in history. The Christian faith, different from virtually any other religion, says something happened in history that we must come to grips with. Hard news is something that demands a response. And when we come together on Easter, I figure you need to understand what this Christian faith is all about. And it's all about the news. It's all about the news. So I've been trying to think. I knew I'd only have a few moments. So I thought, now how on earth do I summarize that news? So I've tried to put together my own uh, headlines. You see, there's a, there's a lot of news in here. So I've tried to summarize it in, in the headlines. And I got a lot of help uh, from some of my pastor friends on this. So what is the news that we find throughout the Bible? And how is it that this news that Eric read to us, this gospel, this good news, is at the heart of God's news to the world. Well, let me see if I can show it to you. What did I call them? Heavenly Headlines, Easter 2010. Headline number one. God is. That's the way the Bible opens. All of us wonder, you, you come in, is there really a God? We sort of intuitively know there has to be more to this world than we know of. Is there really a God? 
And God opens with his news report, I am. And he even tells us a little bit of what he's like. He is powerful. He speaks and things come into being. And he is involved in this world. Yes, there is a God that's a part of the news report. Headline number two. God declares it's all about relationship. What is about relationship? The way that God made us to live. God says he created people, every human being, valuable. Everyone made, the Bible says remarkably, every human being, regardless of where you've come from, regardless of what your background is, every one of us, valuable, loved in the eyes of God. God made us to walk and talk with him in right relationship, to know God. Not just to know about Him, but to know God. And to be in right relationship with one another without these broken relationships where people are separated from people. And to be in right relationship with this world. God created everything. It was beautiful. It was very good. And He made us and gave us the opportunity to care for the world He put us in. So it's all about relationships. That's what shalom is about. The peace of God. That's what eternal life is about. It's life the way God made it to be lived. And then we look at our world and say, what went wrong? Headline number three, elusive human race avoids contact with God, uncertain times ahead. (laughs) That's Genesis chapter three, though God had made us to walk and talk with him and they were in this paradise. People didn't trust God to be good and they didn't obey him. They walked away from God and hid from God because of their disobedience. And that has affected everything. That means as people have walked away from God we still sort of know inside that there must be a spiritual part of us. That's why there's always a search for spirituality in the world. We also look and long to have relationships that aren't broken, where there can be openness and honesty without things being hidden. And we long to have a world where we look at it and we don't see us destroying our world but caring for it. But we walked away from God. Elusive human race avoids contact with God. We wanted to go it on our own. So is there no hope for us? Headline number four. God reveals his restoration plan. And so much of this Bible is about it. From early on, God prepared for a way that we would be able to be made right with one another and right with the world and right with him again. So much of the Bible is filled with that. These prophets, maybe you know some of their names, Isaiah... Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah would say, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. God still loves us. God is going to to do something to restore this world. The evil and pain of this world isn't going to last forever. And someone, a Messiah, is going to come. Watch for him. And so people watched for him. When would it happen? Headline number five. God pursues costly strategy. To restore relationships. And this is where 1 Corinthians 15 and the New Testament comes in. What is that costly strategy to make our lives right and make our world right? It begins with Christmas. God came. God came to this world through Jesus Christ. Personally came into this world that he has made. The creator entered creation. He lived in this world. The, The only one to live a perfect life. So that all of us who have walked away from God and have done evil need to have forgiveness, evil must be paid for, have had someone who's come who isn't in the same mess that we are in, has come into this world, but in order for him to accomplish his purpose, it was going to be a costly restoration plan. 
And on Good Friday, we see the cost of it as we see this sinless Son of God dying on a cross for our sins. But the news is that the grave could not hold him. Um, a headline that one of the pastors gave me is this. God's Son rises from the dead. Hundreds see him. And that brings us to headline number six. A restoration route open to all of us. But God says, people must now choose. So the opportunity for us to be forgiven of our sins, the opportunity to have our lives remade as Eric has given testimony, is an opportunity to everyone that God gives. But we must respond to this news We must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him. The one who entered into this world. The one who gave his life but could not have the grave and sin hold him. Defeated sin and death by a resurrection. May I just show you a couple of the great verses that call you and me to respond to the news. John 3, 15 to 17. Everyone. Look at that. That's you and that's me. Everyone who believes in Jesus will have eternal life. What was lost in Genesis 3 will be restored. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, costly restoration plan, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have this eternal life. For God did not send His Son into this world to condemn the world. That would be a senseless reason to come. God sent His one and only Son in this world to rescue, to save the world through Him. And so as a part of the headlines is, this has happened in history. Jesus has come. Now you must make a choice. Will you follow Him or will you not? And when we follow Him, all begins to be different. So headline number seven. Complete reconstruction promised, anticipation growing. Because you and I look at our world, we say, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's still not perfect. Even the church isn't perfect. And its pastors aren't perfect. And I say, exactly right. But God promises someday he's going to complete his work. And we will be complete again. And our world will be a world with no pain, no sorrows, no tears, and no death. May I show you the end of it when he's done? The news, we get the news early. It's like that show where they got the news, you know, a day or two ahead of time. We get it early, and this is what it is. John saw it, an apostle. He, he, on an island, said he heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among people, just like Genesis 2. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and, and be their God. And when he does it, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne, God himself says, I am making everything new. I'm telling you, this is big news. (laughs) And the very heart of this news is what has brought us to church here today. Namely, that it really happened. God's Son came to this world, experienced the cross, and defeated death by His resurrection. And the Apostle Paul had had his life changed 
Because that news had gotten to him and it had transformed him. Now, you're with me here, aren't you? Some people say that the only reason why people like Paul believed this, it was wishful thinking. Jesus was dead. They wished he was still alive, so they made this up. I want to tell you this. The Apostle Paul did not want Jesus to be risen. You've got to remember that this was a first century, well-educated Jewish religious leader. Now, I've told some of you, I have a close friend, teaches at Yale. He's a, he's a Jewish rabbi. He is not a Christian. But he and I talk often about these things. And he says the part of the Christian claims that are hardest for him to refute is this one. How on earth was it that these well-educated, committed Jewish leaders of the first century believed that a man was God raised from the dead? Because they would have been the last people in the world, he has said to me. The last people in the world who would have believed that would have been these first century Jewish leaders like the Apostle Paul. Because they didn't believe that a man could be God, and they thought that their Messiah was going to be a political and military leader. And yet they are the ones who first proclaimed the news. And why? And the Apostle Paul says, I had to deal with the evidence. I was persecuting Christians. I was trying to get rid of these people and this message. But when the evidence for the resurrection came to me, I could not deny it. And I became a believer. So I read that. I don't know how, how you read it. But I read that and I say, what evidence did he see? So can I show it to you? Several pieces. Number one, witnesses saw Jesus die. It was a public execution, well well documented. He had died on that gruesome cross on which he had been placed. And they had seen him and had seen him buried. Piece of evidence number two. Witnesses afterwards visited an empty grave on that Sunday morning following the execution. The witnesses were unanimous about that. Verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 15. He was raised on the third day. People went into a tomb where they knew that Jesus had been placed. A stone had been rolled over it. It had been sealed and it was guarded. But when they went there, it was empty. And the only thing that was there were his grave clothes. They had to do something with the evidence. Piece of evidence number three. Hundreds of witnesses reported meeting a resurrected Jesus. Hundreds of witnesses. Look at the way Paul put it in his report, his news report. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. Jesus then appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom, Paul said, are still living, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, Paul said, he appeared to me. Now, you're with me here. Uh, If it had just been an empty tomb, people might have said, well, somebody stole the body. But it was an empty tomb followed by hundreds and hundreds of witnesses. And this is something that had happened in public. Read the book of Acts, chapter 26. And you'll see the way that Paul put it in other places. He was called before a governor named Festus and a provincial king named Agrippa. And he was talking about this resurrection that he could not deny. 
And the governor said, oh, Paul, all of your great education has driven you crazy. And Paul turns away from him and turns to the king and says, King, Agrippa, you have been out here in the community. And he had been. You've been out here in the community. And you know that what I'm talking about didn't happen in a corner. I'm not the only one who is saying this. The reason why this church is moving throughout the entire world is that it happened and it could not be denied. Now, when the Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 15, it was probably 15 to 18 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so most of the people who would have seen it would have still been alive. And that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, if you don't believe me, ask them. And these witnesses believed it. What Jesus had said would happen, happened. They found forgiveness of their sins. The beginning of the new kind of life that Eric gave testimony to. And they had to go out and tell others. And so the fourth piece of evidence was people's lives were changed. Beginning with this Paul. He didn't want to change his life. He was one of the most respected people in his community. One of the leading religious people. Very well educated, a comfortable life out persecuting other Christians. And you know what the rest of his life looked like? Shipwrecked and beaten and thrown into prison and eventually killed in a Roman prison. Why? Because this message, this news was true. And people who experienced it simply had to pass it on and pass it on and pass it on and are still passing it on. And that's why today as we gather here, we're not the only church that is saying, do we have some news for you? It is happening because the church is exploding throughout parts of China, the fastest growing church in the world, all across the continent of Africa, all through South and Latin America. We just join a whole host of witnesses saying it is true. He is risen. Early on, these changed lives of believers were so undeniable. A very famous piece of, uh, of, of history that's been passed on was from a Roman emperor named Julian. He had a general. They were trying to wipe out Christians. Christians in the early days were always persecuted. And they were trying to wipe them out. And one of his generals says, why can't we get rid of these Christians? We kill them and they keep growing. What's happening here? And here's what Julian said. Their success lies in, number one, their enduring marriages, lasting relationships. And number two, their charity, the strangers. Why these godless Galileans? That's what the emperor called Christians because they had rejected these many gods and held only to Jesus as God. These godless Galileans support both their own poor and ours as well. The changed lives of people. All four of these pieces of evidence are important, aren't they? That Jesus really died. After dying, there was an empty tomb. After the empty tomb was there, there were hundreds of witnesses that saw a risen Christ. And now, centuries later, there are millions of changed lives because of the resurrected Jesus. And so as I gather here in 2010 and proclaim this news to you, I tell you that hard news means that the world's not the same because this is happening. This is happening. This has happened. And we must respond to it. Does it make any difference that Jesus is risen? If you read the rest of what the Apostle Paul says in verses 12 on, he says, let me just tell you if this news isn't true. This news isn't true. Let me just tell you what the result is. Number one, if Jesus is not risen, 
then this news broadcast that I bring you is in vain. Uh, There is no hope beyond this grave. There is no power greater than the evil and the sin of this world. It is in, number two, your faith, the confidence you have that somehow goodness will prevail, that's empty too. That maybe everything is up for grabs and the, and the existentialists are right. It's all just absurd. Because if, if God isn't great enough to defeat the grave, then he's not great enough to bring about victory over evil in this world either. Number three, then people still are in their sins if it's not true, he says in verse 17. And the hope that we would have for tomorrow being different from yesterday, the hope that we would have that the things we know in our lives that aren't right can actually be washed away and we can start again afresh today. That hope is gone. We are still in our sins if Jesus is not risen. And fourth, he says in verse 18, if it's not true, if this news isn't true, there is no hope for those who have died. Death is just the end of things. We live and experience injustice in this world and pain in this world and things that are wrong and evil people seem to succeed. There is no such thing as goodness and justice if this is not true. But I've got to show it to you. Verse 22. I feel Paul, Albert, I think he is screaming as loud as you are when he says this. So much more than I ever could with my gifts. He says, listen to me. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. It happened, he said. And that changes everything. If, if, I, t- if I take those things that he said, if it didn't happen, then this is the result. And I flip them and make them positive. What does that look like? First, it means that because Christ is risen, we have some news to bring to you. It's news that will change your life. It's news that will change the world. We know someone who is greater than any enemy in this world, including your own addictions and your own failures, greater than death itself. We have news for you and for the world. Because Jesus is risen. Because Jesus is risen. The faith that we hold on to is not futile and empty. The faith that we hold on to is that even though for a moment there seems to be pain, it will not last forever. And even though for a moment injustice seems to prevail, justice will someday be seen to be victorious. And even though for a moment death seems to be greater than anything we experience in this world, even that has been taken away. Our faith is not vain. We have hope to offer the world because Jesus is risen. Oh, what else? What else is there here? Ah, because Jesus is risen. Listen to me here. You and I do not have to stay in our sins. Now, this is one just for honest people. But we got to look in the mirror and say, all right, I'm one of those people. I haven't even met up to my own standards. And I know I haven't met God. So is there any hope for me? If God knew about my past, would he want me in his family? And I say, he knows all about it. And he's done something to bring you into into his family. We do not have to stay in our sins. Tomorrow can be different from yesterday. You can begin today living anew and afresh. Why? Because this Jesus who died for your sins overcame sin and death. Jesus is risen.
And what else is there? Ah, one more thing. One more thing. Because Jesus is risen, there is hope even in the face of death. And here I must just stop for a moment. Because I don't know all of you, but I know so many of you. And there are so many people who have come here this morning who have experienced death among loved ones in this past year. Sometimes prematurely. I've told you the story so often of the fact that I've experienced that in my own family with my middle daughter, my only brother, my youngest cousin. Premature death that just seems so senseless. And I know there are people here who have experienced the death of loved ones in this past year. And sometimes you wake up in the morning and say, why do I even want, why do I even want to go on? It all seems to be so senseless. We have so many who come, you just need to know this, who have been told in the past weeks and months that you have terminal cancer. So thankful that you've come. You wonder, is there any news when you gather in a church in the face of a dying world that God has put us in? May I tell you what the Apostle Paul said? He said, because Jesus is risen, even the sting of death has been taken away. Death is not the end of things. It's the worst enemy that this world can throw at us. It seems to end everything. It does not end everything. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O grave, is your victory? It has been swallowed up because Jesus is risen and there is hope even in the face of death. So today, we have gathered... And I've come to bring you the news report. No, let's see. This news report has something happened in this world that this world needs to hear. Is there a message that God is proclaiming through his heralds to which people must respond if they will find hope? I can only tell you as simply as I possibly can do it. The news that I bring you is the very same news that the Apostle Paul brought over 2,000 years ago. It's the very same news that Christians have been proclaiming since the very beginning of time. It's the very same news that if you went to a church in Africa or in China or in Latin America, it's the very same news that is being proclaimed. Herald, you say. What's the news? And I say, extra, extra. Hear ye, hear ye. Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.